Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. This month, like I've said, we begin on the topic of freedom. By show of hand, how many of us believe they are free? 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 Mm. How many don't know whether they are free or not? You're wondering. Eh, freedom, I'm not free from gas. Fuel. Fuel, I want to be free from the issues of fuel. No wonder they're bringing electricity. Pretty soon, Magari Takuatuni steamer. I want us to talk about the issue of freedom because I believe not all of us believe we are free. Each one of us wants freedom in one way or another. In as much as we believe we are free deep down, there is just something that you want freedom from. Unfortunately for us, that something is a someone. Hallelujah. Yeah. And I hope that at the end of this, you will understand that you are free in Jesus. Jesus came for our freedom. It covers a lot, that freedom. But I hope that for you specifically, you will understand that freedom is from God and He desires it for us. Amen? Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We are going to be reading just one verse, verse 1 for today. We will be going down the chapter all the way to the end, but today we begin at verse 1. Galatians. It is right after the book of Revelation. Mm. <laughs> this is me, man. Galatians 5, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say mm. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. The letter to the Galatians, written by Paul, chapter 5, verse 1. If you're there, say my amen. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let me read it again. It is for freedom that Christ has set you and I free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let's pray. Father, help us today as we break your word. Speak to each one of us. You know what each one of us needs, even in this fellowship. You are that good. You are bad all by yourself. You know all of our needs and you have them in your riches. King of kings, protect us from the enemy who desires that the world not have its place, not only in our heart, but in our lives. Help us to fend him off in Jesus' name. And help us, Jehovah, that even as we leave the house of God to be fruitful, in Jesus' mighty name we pray and believe. Can we shout amen again? Hallelujah. I have a freedom story for us, and I'll be sharing freedom stories just to help us get a gist of what we are talking about. After his wife and children were sold and shipped away to another state in 1848, Virginia-born Henry Brown resolved to escape slavery 
by any means necessary. With the help of a free black and a white shopkeeper, he hatched a desperate plan to ship himself from Richmond to Philadelphia, a distance of about 400 kilometers, in a wooden crate. On March 23, 1849, Brown wedged himself into a three-by-two-foot box labeled dry goods and settled in for a long journey via wagon, steamboat, and railroad to the home of abolitionist James Miller McKim. He only had a few biscuits and some water supplies, and during one leg of the trip, his crate was placed upside down on the deck of a steamship. Brown was left sitting on his head for 90 minutes, his eyes swelling as if they would burst from their sockets. He nearly passed out before two unsuspecting passengers. I think they were angels. They flipped the box over to use it as a seat. Brown arrived safely in Philadelphia after 27 grueling hours inside the cramped confines of the box. His incredible story made him a minor celebrity in New England, but he was soon forced to flee the country. Imagine after all of that, after the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. Box Brown, as he was known now, later spent several years in Great Britain hosting a stage act that documented his escape. He eventually returned to the United States in 1875 and worked as a magician. Imagine. As part of each show, he would climb into the same wooden crate that had once carried him to freedom. That's his freedom story. I don't think I'm wrong in saying that deep down, each one of us has a specific, whether tiny or large, need to be free. The question is, what do you seek freedom from? Because we each have one. Some of us is from time. One minute you're asleep, the next minute you must wake up. That feeling, you're like Jehovah. You're like, oh, here we go again. If only there was no time. If only the time would extend by another 16 hours. Some of us seek freedom from work. When I've created the fact of going to work tomorrow, when I say, Jehovah, free me to father. If I was just my own boss, you want like a freedom of sorts. Some of us seek freedom from financial constraints. Fuliza in Alemea. You are like Jehovah, free me. I want enough money for everything I need. Is that specific one? Oh, sir, I didn't know. I was by myself on that one. Some of us seek freedom from our past and the many mistakes we have made. Every so often it haunts you. Why, 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 Jehovah, if I could only go back and change time, things, I would be different. Some of us need freedom from the future and the worry it plagues you with. You're constantly thinking, how will I survive tomorrow? Will I be able to go through next week and what it's waiting, like what, what, what it has for me in store? What, can I be able to take care of my tomorrow? Deep down, all of us need a need to be free from something. Like I said in the beginning, some of us, unfortunately, we need freedom from someone. 
Freedom has been defined by the English dictionary as follows. Number one, the power or right to act, speak, or think as you want. Hmm. Act, think, do I want? I want to, I want to shout from my, the top of my voice. When you gonna see the gun, pastor? The other day I was being told, pastor, you, you're, you're too loud. I want to shout. Yeah. Freedom is absence of subjection to foreign domination or despotic government. That I think we understand. It is a state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. That is freedom. When Jesus entered the sea in the book of Matthew, many assumed that this man came to free them from the Roman Empire. They knew of the prophecy of a savior, one that would come and save the Israelite nation. What they didn't know is God's purpose was a bit different. He came for the spirit man, not necessarily for the physical man. Yes, he can save us from a few things here and there. But Jehovah came for your spirit. Jesus performed mind-boggling miracles and, speak, and spoke with authority. And because of that, these guys assumed wrong. My question to you today is, do you believe he came to free you from a couple of things in your life? The things that bog you down. The things in your soul that Nashindwa, how will these things ever, will I, be, will I ever be free from these things? Things in your family. Things in how you think. Things in your heart, in your monies, in your businesses, in your work. Some of us assume we are cursed. My family has never. So, hey, Jehovah, I promise you. Jesus came for you and he came for me. This month, I want us to remember what the Lord did for us. Through this season of Easter. It's a season of Easter. And I hope we'll not, we'll not just take time to celebrate but we will remember him. My plea to you is remember the Lord. Find time this month, even as we think of this beautiful time of Easter, and remember him. I believe that in the Holy Week that we'll be looking at even in our fasting season, our fasting season next week, the death and the crucifixion of the Lord, and just the other elements of the Holy Week as well, lies this of freedom. There is a relation to the freedom that I want us to talk about this month. There is a lot of wisdom in those different days as relates to the freedom God brought and the freedom that we seek. The Holy Week, just for our memory, looks like this. Palm Sunday, that is the second Sunday of April, next week. This is where Jesus entered Jerusalem. If you remember, on the donkey, where he told his disciples, go find a colt tied, bring him to me and I will ride on him as I enter Jerusalem. That's the palm sand, where they laid the palms for him, the king of kings and the lord of lords, entering triumphantly into Jerusalem, the place of his suffering. On Monday, the Bible says he goes to the temple, but on the way he cast a fig tree. Because alikuwa nanja, hallelujah. Yeah, so those of us who think Christ never got angry, that's exactly what he did. And then he goes into the temple as if cursing the tree is not enough and beats the money changers 
Wale waswabiz. Hale ni waswabiz. Siniingilia after service. On Tuesday, he gives what has been called the Olivet Discourse. Talking about the future of mankind. The future of the world. That's on Tuesday. On Wednesday, the Bible does not tell us anything about his life. It has been called the Silent Wednesday. And we'll speak on that during this month. On Thursday, he directs his disciples to go to the upper room to prepare for the Passover celebration. And you know, on Friday, he's caught early in the morning, beaten from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And then he's crucified. And he dies on the cross that Friday. On Saturday, he's dead. What Wakanisa Benayi was scared, Christ was dead. Yes, he lay dead in the tomb. And then on Sunday, he resurrects. Can I hear an amen? Jesus never did anything without meaning. Many have asked me, why do you obsess about the Holy Week? I said, because there's a lot of meaning. I obsess about many other things as well in the Bible. But because it is the Easter season, I like reminding us of the journey to the cross. What Christ went through for you and I. The difficulty that he experienced. And I believe that there's a lot for us, like I've just said to unpack about this issue of freedom from this week. Today, we look at the first and the second day of the Holy Week with a view to see what it informs us of. And so, I don't want you to turn, but if you look at the, the book of Matthew chapter 21, the book of Mark chapter 11, the book of Luke chapter 19, and John chapter 12, Jesus entered Jerusalem. And like I've just said a few minutes before, he told his disciples, go and get for me a colt, and tie it, bring it to me, and I will ride on it. Blessed is the one, those that were shouting his name said, that comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus then looks upon Jerusalem, on a high place, a raised place, and Andalia Rafa hey Jerusalem, you who have killed its prophets, He's literally looking at his holy week, the week ahead of him. And anajua tu, hey, hapa ni kubaya. Usha haikuwa tu na that kafili. Ili unangalia tu mbele, unajua tu, hey, hey, hey. Ii fuliza, nikikosa kuilipa in time. Hapa ni kubaya. Ii loan, if I don't, this relationship, if I don't call my wife in the next two minutes, jioni kutakuwa na shida. Husbands, amen? You know, I'm talking the truth. <laughs> There's a couple of things I believe that are pointers for us eh, to note with these two days. We'll go breaking them down every day in these Sundays that we're going to meet. Number one, Jesus rides on a donkey is a prophecy that indicates his supreme humility. I will talk on that in a minute. Number two, Jesus casting the fig tree on his way to the temple shows unfruitfulness in the believer's life. Number three, Jesus beating the money changers. What a biashara here? Jesus beating the money changers in the temple. What a me, I'm one of you guys. Mr. Jali, I'm not pointing fingers. Also shows the result of what happens to wrongdoers in the house of God, in the body of Christ. 
So I want us to break this down. Let's get deeper. You don't go to. And then I'll be out of your way to end. To transfer the polyphuel. Amen? See this out. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 gives us a prophecy of Jesus of the donkey. There are many prophecies about our Christ in the Old Testament. No wonder when they attacked him, the Pharisees, saying, when I come to Shambulia everywhere, you're like telling us consistently what you're doing is wrong. Like uh, all of that. Then he tells them, guys, 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 please note, I never came to abolish any law in the Old Testament. I came to fulfill all of the laws in the Old Testament. So Zechariah 9.9 gives us a prophecy and it tells us this. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus literally fulfills this. When he tells his disciples, hey, can you guys go and get a phone for me? Get for me, a, sorry, a colt, the young one of a donkey. Go and get one that has never been ridden before. The king of kings and the lord of lords rode into Jerusalem on a colt and not on a majestic horse as the kings of the times did. This was a testimony of what Jesus taught on the same subject that is humility of a pride and service of our leadership or lordship sorry jesus teaches in matthew 23 that we should not be like the religious teachers of the times the religious teachers of the law the scribes the pharisees the sadducees what did he tell us they were like this is what jesus told us these guys were like jesus told us that these guys shut the kingdom's door his kingdom's door he shut it to those who wanted to enter, they shut it to those who wanted to enter by making religious rules more important than God's word. He told us not to be like these guys. He told us that these guys win converts. And they were faithfully winning converts, but they teach them the ways of hell and not the ways of heaven. He told us that these guys, these Pharisees, were blind guides who value the gold of the temple rather than the temple itself. Those were the Pharisees. He told us that they performed religious rules and duties excellently. Come and pray and you were three years. Come and kusoma scripture. They are scripture, scripture. Come and attendance. They perform them excellently, but they are not excellent spiritually. Jesus said, look, these guys look good on the outside. No? But they are filthy on the inside. Zanda, when he hears my voice raised, Daddy, you're shouting. Daddy, you're shouting. Daddy, you're shouting. Daddy, you're shouting. These guys think better of themselves than they actually are. The more we boast how, about how religiously excellent we are, chances are the less our hearts are converted to understand that it is only out of the grace of God that you are born again. The more we behave kifarisi, the more we are not really 
children of God. This forces us to live out boldly this new life, this grace of God, but with a lot of humility. When we don't, we develop pride in our hearts that looks like what we have just stated. It looks like shutting the kingdom's door to those that seek him. We shut it because pride is made to blind. We win converts, but we're not teaching them the right way. We are teaching them the ways of hell. We are blind. We value the gold of the temple more than the temple itself. When we allow pride in our hearts to overwhelm us, we actually may look really good on the outside, but deep down, hey, we chafu galore. Pride makes us think better of ourselves than we actually are. That's number one on the issue of the donkey. Jesus cast a fig tree, number two, on his way to the temple. Some say, Ujamali kona anger issues. Because he goes on to even beat the money changers after that. The fig tree, you must understand, the reason Jesus cast it is it looked so wonderful on the outside. To the point, it looked like it had fruits, yet it did not. No wonder when the disciples come the next day, they look at the fig tree and it is withered. So the day before, it was green. It looked healthy. But it, wa it wasn't healthy. There was no fruit in it. You know that feeling of you going to a restaurant, like you've waited your whole, the whole week because you probably saved up. You may end up a restaurant, you're like, you've had reviews. You sit down, Tisha Kitu. And then it comes and you're like, hey boss, this is, this is it. We had such an experience, I wouldn't say when. It was, hey, makani kashindwa, yeah, 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 no. Jesus was, uh -uh. this tree looks healthy, but there's no fruit in it. Jesus was pointing to the same thing of looking healthy on the outside and being unhealthy on the inside. It still points to the same issue of pride in our hearts that makes us look better than we actually are. Jesus beat the money changers, number three, in the temple. And simply because they prevented the Gentiles from praying in the temple. If you know the design of the Solomon's temple, it had the Holy of Holies, just like Moses' tabernacle. Right next to it on the outer court, immediate outer court, is where the priests were allowed. Upper is where they worshipped and the workers. Immediately outside the outer court was, sorry to say this, the court of the women. I'm just reporting facts. Amen, ladies? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so after the court of the women was the Gentile court. They were on the the more any the outmost part of the temple the gentiles were strangers foreigners and they were allowed to come to the temple and because it was the outermost part of the of the temple the priests allowed to be a because you know if you exchange some numbers with me hallelujah it's okay amen i'm trying to say man but Jesus comes and gives them the order and the purpose of the temple. 
by beating them and reminding them that the house of God, whether the inner court or the Gentiles court, is for prayer, not for business. Jesus was showing them that he came to clean his temple, the temple of God, not according to what their rules and laws and what they had allowed was. He was simply telling them, this is my house. You're making my house to do what it's not supposed to do. Isaiah 56, verse 3 to 8 tells us the following. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. No foreigner. These were the Gentiles in the Gentile court. Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. Verse 4, for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths. Who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant to them i give them an everlasting name that will endure forever foreigners who bind themselves to the lord to minister to him to love the name of the lord and to be servants all who keep the sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant these the lord says jehovah of heaven i will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of, of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. The Lord was rebuking the order of the temple of the times by reminding them that the order of the temple, the purpose of it was for prayer for all nations. So you are not to stop some simply by allowing Biashara Yendele. They were stopping these guys from prayer, from seeking the Lord, from growing close to the Lord by allowing business to happen there. Jesus, I believe, through what we are looking at, came to give us freedom from hypocrisy. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to have certain beliefs, attitudes, feelings, when they really do not. And if you have dated Mr. Alikucheza, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Single people, eh? This idea right when It is a pretense of having a virtuous character, moral or religious beliefs or principles. That one does not really possess. Mimi as your pastor, read your Bible, pray every day. For the last time I prayed was last month. You better be reading your heart. There's a problem. God looks at me and says, wait, wait, you need my salvation. In our case, this is a person who claims to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But deep down, they actually don't. You know, do you know it is cool to be Christian? How many believe you know it's cool to be Christian? Our country is 80% Christian. It's actually very cool to be those that walk with the Lord. You know? We are the Jesus crew. Amen? <laughs> when you pray, read God's word, fellowship with others, tithe, give over and above, teach and preach, like those in my case. But deep down, you've not really accepted the Lord Jesus into your heart. There is a problem. Those are who the Lord was talking about. 
Let me read Galatians 5.1 again for us. Eh? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for freedom that he set us free. Then he gives us a command, stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Psychologists say that hypocrisy is typical, typically caused by an inflated, inflated sense of ego and self-righteousness coupled with an, an inability to be humble. It is a form of projection, which is a common defense mechanism that takes root in adolescence that stems from fear and low esteem. It is a way to protect ourselves from harm. So when we began it, it was for our good. We were protecting ourselves. When a teenager is accused of some wrongdoing, he or she might claim, well, my brother and or sister did it too. So see, Sorry, maybe police. I'm a You're like, hey, what's your problem? That's where it begins. When a teenager is accused of wrongdoing, he might actually claim, well, my brother or sister, what's the problem? What's what's beef its purpose is to avoid personal responsibility and to gain control of our situation without admitting any wrong responsibility. We use hypocrisy when we feel attacked. For example, in the workplace, Jehovah who give us, we may enjoy gossiping about our co-workers' poor performance, but are secretly concerned about our own job performance. I'd rather look at, can you say it on a 30 you know that one it's true it is a deflection to avoid dealing with our own problems because we don't want to be judged we don't want condemnation why we don't want it at the root of hypocrisy is a strong desire to be loved and accepted the fear of humility and judgment is so powerful that we use double thing and cognitive dissonance to avoid facing it ourselves. When you're more concerned about looking religiously co correct in your actions, chances are you're just as filthy as the Pharisees. Chances are your will has not probably conformed fully to the will of Christ. The obvious question then becomes this. Have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Have you? Have you been convinced to change to Christ's belief, view, way of things? If you have, then you don't need to boast about the rules of living in Christ. Because you, don't, you can't do them in your own strength. So then why do we boast? Why? Why, why are you doing it? that way if you have and there's a part of you that's being touched on today if you've received the Lord check whether you have developed hardness in your heart because of what we face one of the most powerful things that leads us to the place of pride in our hearts is hardness of heart this is how it looks the Lord you have received him Jesus come into my heart hallelujah I was telling guys, I always tell guys this, when I receive the Lord, and I'm being very honest, if you judge, that's your issue. 
moving on. You know that play that was back in the day, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Nakumbuka, Chauvin? How many remember that play? Okay. Then people are ah, good. When that play was shown to us in high school, I mean, Leonel playing because I'm seeing the hell. I'm sorry. Me, hell. Now, at Nichomeka for the rest of my life. I didn't even know what it meant. I just saw fire because I'm. Me, I'm not this heaven, this one. What do I need to do? Go to the pulpit and say, Hallelujah. I have to Father God, Amen. Was I converted? Nah. I was just running away from hell. But. Slowly by slowly, the Lord started telling me, eh, eh, boss, eh, there's things I want you to stop doing. There's things I want you to change. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin reading the word of God. Hardness of heart is when the Lord is beckoning your heart to do something and you're saying, no. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Unamwambia leo tunakula soup. Ile soup yetu inaitwa ajili ya green. Pumpkin soup. Hey, eh? Pumpkin soup with the bread sio nini. Kamkate hapo sio kama pako pako sio nini. Zana anasema leo tunakula hii ni ya green. Yak. Naambia wewe, yak ni wewe my friend. Sometimes ya chips uongeangi hivi. Na sausage. So when the Lord tells you leo ni pumpkin soup and it is good for you wewe unasema sausage hardness of heart when the Lord is telling <laughs> when the Lord is telling you achana these friends i need you to start developing good friendships unasema ah ah this is my crew eh 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 boss these are my gang gang when the Lord is telling you, uh uh-uh, I need you to change your thoughts and your views on X and Y. I need you to begin reading my word. Hardness of heart. Hardness begins to develop in your heart. And the more you're thriving in hardness of heart, the more prideful you are. My question to you today, have you really received Christ into your heart? If you have, are you listening to him with his directives in your life? If he tells you no, don't go left, go right. You're like, ah, me I know. Uh, Jehovah, this one, live for me. Jesus came to set us free from the hypocrisy of looking better than we actually are. And that we have developed from a very young age. This thing we started uko, in our teenage uko, as kids uko. Jesus came to set us free from that. And I don't know whether like myself, uko His temple was corroded and he came to clean it up. Our temple, these bodies of ours, they're corroded. Jesus came to clean it, just like he came to clean the Pharisees. The Pharisees never understood it. They thought they could do challenge. Jesus came, yani nika, yani nimi unaona. That's the Pharisees. Hey, nimi, yani one year, boss. Jesus came to clean us. This touches a lot on us who claim to have Him to teach to others, but it also touches on you who claim to have Him in your heart.
If you have the Lord in your heart, are you prideful? Or have you hardened your heart over time? And hardness of heart comes in many ways. Remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh had enjoyed the slavery he had placed upon the people of Israel. The comfort, the growth that came from that. When the Lord came to ask him, just let these guys go. You don't need them to grow. And the Lord is so gracious. He's so kind to us. He will never force you. He will never come and be like, Freddy, if you don't, he'll cough you to cooler on stage. You know what I'm talking about, guys? He'll cough you. That's not Jehovah. Jehovah is nice. He's like, this is the way. Choose. If you don't, hey, I pity your soul because it will end up in agony at the end of time. The more we don't confront this pride issue in our lives, the more we are going in the wrong direction. And the more we are probably sending many more just like the Pharisees in the wrong, wrong direction. I want us to talk to the Lord as we close today in the service. For those of us who maybe need to accept him into their hearts. I don't know whether you're here and you have the Lord in your heart or you don't. Let me start with those. If you know you don't have the Lord in your heart, speak to him. Ask him to come in. Your salvation is between you and the Lord. He will make you fruitful. He, not I, not Pastor Fred, not the church. Not standing in front of guys and saying, I love the Lord. Jesus and his spirit makes you fruitful. I want to speak to us, those who have received the Lord in our hearts. But because of the issues of life, or maybe just the pride of our hearts, you have developed hardness of heart. He has been beckoning you left, right and center to change, to do, to stop. Whatever it is, I don't know. I've told you many times I'm not a prophet. But if he's been beckoning you and you've hardened your heart, speak to him. The more you harden your heart, the more pride overwhelms you. And when pride begins to overwhelm your heart, you're doing your own thing. And eventually, pride leads to destruction. That's the promise you have from God. God desires to set us free from the chains of this world. The chains we've grown up with, the chains we developed as children, the chain of hypocrisy. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.